Welcome to the Your Purpose is Calling podcast, conversations with Christians who are finding their purpose, redefining work, and changing their world. I'm your host, Dawn Sadler. Today, my guest is Ashley Abercrombie. Ashley is a writer, a mom of two boys, a co-pastor along with her husband, Cody, here in New York City, and she runs a nonprofit. She's a social activist who is passionate about justice and giving voice to the marginalized, particularly in the areas of ending mass incarceration and human trafficking. Ashley is wise, funny, and powerful, and she has practical advice for how we as Christians can love well in a world that is experiencing political differences, racial tensions, and gender inequality. In just a moment, we'll meet Ashley, but first, I want to let you know that you can hear all episodes of the Your Purpose is Calling podcast when you subscribe on iTunes. You can access show notes from today's episode, listen to previous podcast episodes, watch video interviews, and subscribe to the blog at DawnSadler.com. Now, let's meet Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dawn. It's so good to be with you. So um, for our listeners who don't already know who you are, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So my name is Ashley Abercrombie, and I am a writer, a pastor, and I run a nonprofit here in New York called Liberty City. Wow. And what does Liberty City do? So Liberty City focuses on a couple of different issues, which are anti-human trafficking, mass incarceration, and kind of that sub-focus of youth and education, Mm -hmm. which could sound quite overwhelming, but really the preventative side of mass incarceration and anti-human trafficking would be youth and education. So that's why that is also a focus for us as well, because we want to disrupt pipelines that would lead young people into human trafficking or mass incarceration. That's amazing. How did you get interested in that? Oh my gosh. Well, I started out in Los Angeles. I was part of a beautiful faith community there for 15 years. And in that faith community really began to discover my purpose, discover what I was created for. And really, I found that out by serving and doing a bunch of different things before I really honed in on the fact that I was very, very passionate about justice issues. And I became a prison chaplain in Los Angeles. And that is how the initial eye-opening experience for me about the issue of mass incarceration happened and really, really wanted to get involved and do something, whatever I could, to be able to help end this issue in my lifetime. And then human trafficking came about in my life, not the actual human trafficking, anti-human trafficking, to be very clear for our listeners. Right, right. (laughs) Um, My best friend is a gal named Harmony Descarillo, and she runs um, a nonprofit called Treasures and has been running that for the past 15 years. So I've been involved with her since the very, very beginning, and it reaches out to women who are in strip clubs. Um, And most women domestically who are trafficked, it happens in porn sets, in brothels or massage parlors, and in strip clubs. And so she began to take gifts to the girls that just was a simple message of you're loved, you're valued, you're purposed. Um, and as I started doing that, just really discovered, man, this is this is huge. There are vulnerable youth, there are vulnerable young women, and this is not okay that this is happening on our watch. And I think very often we think about human trafficking and everybody pictures the movie Taken, you know, where yeah. you know someone's kidnapped and they're forced into human trafficking. And while those things do happen globally, they happen so much more subtly within nations. And so yeah. we wanted to be able to make an impact. And so wow. that's how I initially got involved in all these things. 
Wow. Wow. And it should be said also that um, in addition to everything that Ashley said that she does, and she's also a mom to two mm-hmm. beautiful little boys, yeah. Lucas and Levi. <laughs> um, so that's, that's a lot. Like you mm-hmm. carry a lot and mm-hmm. that's, um, and that's amazing. Um, now you live in New York now, mm-hmm. but you actually started this work when you were living in Los Angeles, yeah. as you said. So tell us a little bit about like how you talked about being a prison chaplain, and um, but there were some other things that you were able to do in that community and get engaged. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yes. So I was actually working as um, an executive assistant at an entertainment company, a distribution house. And at the time, my boss was considering me to take over a department to become a lead in a department. Yeah. And then I sat down with someone who was on our staff at the time at Oasis, which yeah. is my old church, yeah. and sat down with them and just said, hey, my boss wants to give me this promotion and I don't know what to do here. I'm a young woman at the time I was in my late twenties. I'm like, I've never led men before. I don't know how to do this. Like, what would this look like for me? Um, in a corporate context, because I had led men and women in the church, but had never done that in a corporate context. And at the same time I'm sharing this with her, she says, well, actually we've been creating a role on our staff with you in mind. Mm. So I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I kind of had to go back to the drawing board and weigh out like, okay, do I want to stay in this corporate space? Or do I want to step into this ministry space? And for yeah. me, I, I loved being in the corporate world and being able to impact people on my job and being able to have a, a tangible effect on people's lives. And so I was nervous about coming over to the ministry context and it becoming like a big bubble. Yeah. <laughs> um, and all my friends go to church and all my friends are, you know, uh, whatever. I wanted. Yeah. I love that space of diversity that corporate gave me and added to my life. It was definitely an additive. But as I sat on it, thought about it, um, my husband, who was just my boyfriend at the time, we had long discussions about it, yeah. and then ended up deciding to step on staff in a ministry capacity. And so I started out as our outreach pastor. And at the time, we didn't have very much outreach going. Similar to most churches, we had you know um, some events that we did at holidays, you know, some drives that we did, but no real uh, solutions or strategy. And so I came in to sort of put some legs on some things that were in our pastor's heart and and began really studying community development um, so that outreach would be um, a lifestyle instead of an event. Yeah. And so I really had to make that journey personally of understanding what it looks like to love people and do good wherever I go. That outreach is not this like event that I turn up to. And through that process started education programs and working with the homeless, working with single moms and single dads. working with children, doing all kinds of things across the city. And I I really loved it because we were also able to work across multiple sectors for change. Mm -hmm. And I really do love that model because I don't believe that the church holds all the answers. I don't believe that the NGOs hold all the answers. I don't believe that government holds all the answers or that business holds all the answers. But I believe together across multiple sectors, if we work together for change, that we could actually make an impact. We could actually move the needle on some issues. And so I loved that, being able to work with the police departments and um, city government and being able to work with NGOs and other churches to see tangible change in Los Angeles. And so that's kind of my, you know, trial by fire, if you will. I didn't have a degree for this. I didn't have the background. If you looked at me on paper, you would never have picked me for a role like this, Yeah. um, which is so God. It's who he is. You know, I'm not the likely candidate, but I was willing. Yeah. Um, And God just continued to expand that platform. And I was so thankful for that time that I had both at that church and in the city of Los Angeles. That's amazing. Um, 
So one of the things that I've seen you do really well, um, it's so inspiring, we talk about it all the time, is that you know we're in a time right now that seems a little crazy for a lot yeah, of people absolutely. Um, racially politically yes. all of all of those things yeah. and um, I think a lot of times in the church we don't actually really know what to do mm-hmm. or what to say mm-hmm. or um, you know how to contribute to a solution and I think um, it's easy just to kind of do nothing mm-hmm. and I think that you really lead that so well in um, full disclosure you are my community pastor you and Cody yeah. are my community pastor mm-hmm. under the leadership of Paul and Andy over um, uh, Paul and Andy Andrew over all of Liberty yeah. um, so I've seen you walk this out but just really super practically for people who are wondering like what do I do um, as a leader what do you think it looks like to lead well and to love well um, as a Christian in these times? Yeah, I mean, that's such a great question. I I don't know that I always get it right, um, but one of the things that I think is really, really important for us to do is to acknowledge and see one another. Um, it's a big deal to just be able to see another person and not be so busy and not be so caught up in ourselves or not be so distracted by life or so um, obsessed with ourselves even yeah. that we just miss who's right in front of us. Um, I think that that's a huge part of the work. And then I yeah. think understanding Empathy is a big deal. Listening to others, um, just because someone has a different experience than you, or maybe they're even angry on Facebook or on a social media platform about their lived experience. And I think sometimes we can judge them or be like, oh, they're too political or they're too this. And sometimes that comes out of a very real lived reality. Mm -hmm. And so I think listening to people and seeking to understand people who are not like us is a really big deal. Um, and, And making space for a relationship. And then on the flip side of that, you know, even as a, as a white person in these times, um, you know, I, and as a woman in these times, you yeah. know, we really have yeah. to um, listen and learn from others who do not have our experience and, and also um, hold people accountable who are like us, you yeah. know? And so, for example, if we were sitting at our um, holiday table and mm-hmm. somebody makes a, a racist, crude comment, that yeah. we don't just sit there and take it, but that yeah. we actually are responsible enough to challenge it and say, yeah. hey, that's just not okay that yeah. you're doing that. Or if we're in the workplace and we see that you know, our boss or we see another coworker who may be male treating a female a certain way or shutting her down in a meeting or treating her as if she's the help, then, then we don't stand idly by, but we say something. We make room for her to be able to speak, for her to be able to share, for her to be a whole person. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think those are practical little things that we can do um, to be mindful, to be watchful, to be loving. And then something else that we love to do in our home, my husband and I, Cody, is have people over to your table. Mm. Um, You know, and I know we live in New York now, and so there's not always space to have people at your table. So maybe it looks like drinks after work or whatever it might be for your context, of course, being mindful of that. But there's something about food that is so disarming. It's Mm -hmm. so sacred. It's so shared. Like, we all have that basic human need to eat. (laughs) And so to sit at the table is already automatically disarming. And we can learn and grow from one another. And asking questions, you know, before I get really angry with people I try to ask them questions yeah Um, so even if somebody is total opposite with me politically or they have different views on um, female roles in whatever in the home in the workplace and whatever um, if we have different uh, viewpoints when it comes to race or justice issues 
then for me, asking a lot of questions is very helpful instead of getting angry and blowing up. Because I know that if we don't all experience a heart transformation in this world that we're living in, then we're never going to be able to really go forward together. And that is God's desire. He desires for us to be in beloved community. And that just means that everyone has a seat at the table. Everybody is welcome, no matter their race, their political affiliation, their gender. Like God says, come to the table. And that's who we need to be as believers. Um, So whether someone shares our faith or shares whatever with us doesn't matter. God says, come to the table. Yeah. And I think that there's, you know, of course, being considerate of being mindful of safe people and having boundaries and making sure that you're filling yourself back up again. So I'm not just saying just open your home to anybody and everybody, but I do think that we have that prompting in our heart when we know God might be pressing us towards relationship with a person and we may be avoiding that and just leaning into it instead of avoiding it so that we can learn and grow and be changed. Yeah. Um, And just the final thing, like God created us to be interdependent. Yeah. And so we're not created to be independent on our own or just to have this stealth relationship with God that's just awesome, but no relationship with others. Yeah. And so the way that we actually experience the fullness of what God has for us is through other people. Yeah. So we have to sit together, love one another, um, be spiritual beings in spiritual spaces so that we can learn and grow and understand um, who God is through another person. Yeah. Um, Because we're all created in the image of God. Yeah. I think the more, more we allow ourselves to have spaces where we can remember that even with people who are different than us yeah the the better yeah that's so good it reminds me of um I saw a really interesting TED talk I can't remember it but I'll put a link to it in the show notes and there was a woman who was raised in a very very intolerant environment um you know all the ists you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um (laughs) all the ists that's amazing yeah (laughs) and uh she went on Twitter to kind of started a Twitter account to kind Mm -hmm. of spout off her views and um she expected people to be really hateful back to her Mm -hmm. and she was like people were not they were actually asking me questions well why do you believe that Mm -hmm. and tell me more about that and she said it was so disarming to her Mm -hmm. for her hate to be met with that Mm -hmm. kind of genuine authentic human connection um that she eventually left uh, her family and actually is now an advocate wow. um, for acceptance mm. and advocacy. So it's such a beautiful, powerful, yeah. I mean, such a it's such a human reaction for us to just kind of jump up and be like, no, that's not you know right. that's not what God says totally. or that's not you know that's not what the word says totally. or that's not what I believe. But I think um, I think you nailed it in just that more questions less um, um, declarative statements is a really good life skill for all kinds of things yeah um and just like what's the you know what's what's behind your heart for Mm -hmm. that because we yeah so i think that's i think that's brilliant um you have a really big vision of what you're believing for so (laughs) tell us a little bit more about that yeah, I mean, I would love to see the end of mass incarceration in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I really want to awesome. see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of those things that we don't have time to unpack it, obviously. And I could yeah. recommend some resources that I could give to you if you yeah. want to post them with this yeah, podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that people can read and get educated about the issue of mass incarceration. Yeah. Um, but it has been used as this tool. I mean, we have 2.3 million people who are currently in jail. We have over 7 million people who are in our penal system, which means they, they potentially can't vote, are unable to get housing, health 
help if they need it or food stamps or whatever the issue might be. So you can imagine coming out of jail, reintegrating back into society, having no home, no, no voice, no ability to get any help whatsoever just because you have a felony on your record. Not to mention that um, you're unable to get a job because on job applications we ask that question, have you ever been convicted of a felony? Mm. And so you got to look at that. That's over 9 million people who live in our country who are unable to, to do basic things. And so um, I think that it's really, really important to focus on ending mass incarceration and also ending um, you know, the, the recidivism rate that is yeah. so high for people to go in and out of prison. Yeah. And that transitions into so many different part, parts of life, whether it's a woman who's trying to, to leave the sex industry yeah. and having to go back in and back out, or it's someone who has is experiencing homelessness. Yeah. Very often that's it can happen again and again and again in a person's life because there's not resources in society or tools in place that can help hold people. We don't have structures that are set up for people to win. Yeah if they've experienced something negative in their life. Yeah. And so there's everything from policy to the actual jails changing the, system, the criminal justice system becoming more fair and just for society. And there's so many things that I would love to see change about that issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about um, just, I think a lot of people, um, whether or not they're passionate about that specific issue, mm-hmm. everybody has something that God has given them a heart mm-hmm. for, just as God has given you a heart for this. Mm-hmm. And so, like, whatever that big thing is, first of all, I just want to say that I love that as a Christian, you're like, I am believing big. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, I think that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Just such a good reminder that God honors really big, bold prayers yes. because that is what he's asking us to do is yes. to really stretch our faith in that way. But just very practically, talk to me about when there's an issue that that's, that is so big, like it, just for someone who's listening who feels like, yeah, I've got an issue that seems really big and overwhelming. Mm. You know, what does it look like to pray around that? What does it look like to take action on mm. something like that? What advice would you give to somebody who who wants to just have the heart of God and walk that out? Um, just like really practically in their in their daily time with God and in their life. Yeah, I mean, I think that believing big is a huge part of being a believer. Yeah. And just like you just said, and I think in order for us to, for that to not become fantasy or a pipe dream, that yeah. we really do have to focus on the thing that's right in front of us. So what yeah. do I have in my hand and what am I going to do with it? Yeah. Um, and so that could be anything. You know, you could be working in a job currently that you really hate yeah. and just feel like, man, my growth is totally stifled here. My boss does not see me. It's very clear that my, my gifts and my capacities and my talents are not being utilized. And, and just ask the Holy Spirit, am I supposed to stay? Because mm-hmm. there could be things that you could learn there and, and ways that you could grow. And I think about that because I was an executive assistant, like I mentioned earlier, in yeah. an entertainment company. And my boss was literally going to hand me a department. Wow. And it's not because I had studied you know, film or because I knew how to do acquisitions. Like It had nothing to do with that. But he saw my work ethic. He saw the way that I managed all, like for example, the dumbest things we had, nobody would take responsibility for the kitchen management in our um, massive corporation of 300 people. And so there were five different kitchens and I said, you know what, I'll take it on, I'll do it. It's not a big deal, I'll handle it. 
um, and just would always take things on. The thing that nobody else was doing, the thing that nobody else would see, yeah. is the thing that I would choose to take on. And then it ended in, in my boss asking me to lead a department. And so I think that's not always the case. You know, obviously sometimes you, you need to leave a job yeah. because they're never going to see you and that's okay too. Yeah. So that's why I say you really got to ask God. Um, but there are those times and seasons where you grow underneath someone who is not watering you, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's an important so part of our process. It's really, really important that we do that because we learn that life isn't fair because that's a reality mm-hmm. <laughs> that we don't always get what we want. Yeah. And then how am I going to process and, and live this out regardless? Um, and then it could be also that somebody who's listening is praying for their own personal recovery, you know, so that, that could be a massive prayer for you. Maybe you're looking for freedom from an addiction that nobody knows about, or you're looking for freedom. Like you're praying that one day you would just be free from something and you're living your life day in, day out, going to work, showing up to things, but you're not free. And so I think that can feel like the biggest, most overwhelming prayer. You can't even get to a major social issue because it's like, man, I'm not free. And so I, I know what that looks like too, you know? And so I think you do what you have you do what you can with what you have yeah so you get in some recovery you get in some counseling you get in some community so that people can love you and love all that hell out of you you yeah (laughs) and then you know from that place you can begin to dream bigger so I think you just be faithful with the season that you're in yeah and the season that God has for you. Yeah. And I didn't start out wanting to see mass incarceration end in my lifetime. I didn't even know that mass incarceration was a thing yeah. until, you know, probably seven years ago. Yeah. I didn't even know that. So it's yeah. not like I dreamed that when I was a little girl. I have discovered that the more and more I've allowed God to shape me and sharpen me and mold me in every season of my life. Yeah. Um, I think that's good. I think... Um, Getting back to sort of the thing about getting free, I think that's really Mm. important, but I think it's also important for people to know that just because you are struggling with something doesn't mean that God can't also use you. That's right. Yes. And I feel like a part of your story and and really almost every story we've done a podcast about and we've talked about this Mm. is that, you know, how you found your way to a heart for mass incarceration Mm. or how you found your way, even in the midst of working through your own stuff, and we Mm. all have stuff. Totally. Is that you, as I think you said, I just served my head off. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Find Literally. a local church yes. and serve. And yep. it doesn't even, um, I know that you and Cody are really passionate about people serving in their lane and what their gifts mm. are. Um, but even if you don't even know what that is, mm. or you think it's one thing, God can move a moving car, mm. can redirect a moving car much faster more easily than a parked car. So talk to us a little bit about how serving helped you through all of that, Mm -hmm. finding your freedom, finding your path, finding Mm -hmm. the heart, um, that, that, uh, for, for this issue. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that serving has always been a catalyst in my life. It's always been a catalyst to the next thing God wanted to speak to me about. And I also like, I actually experience God the most when I'm serving another person. So it feels Mm. like a pathway to God. He speaks to me when I'm serving others. I'm able to cure him. Um, I feel close to God when I'm serving another person, especially if it's someone who can give me nothing in return. Um, I really enjoy doing that. And, and we always serve with a reciprocal heart. So you hear me back and I always have things to learn and things to grow. But yes, serving is is where it's at. I mean, you you discover so much about who you are. Um, You discover how to lead people in a safe context. It's one thing to lead people um, volunteers, yeah. you know, than it is when you're responsible for, you know, a huge amount of employees one day, maybe yeah. that that's what God has for you. But if you start out with a team of volunteers and you learn yeah. to love and you learn to lead and you learn to mobilize people who you're not paying, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a, a gift. big deal. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely <laughs> a, gift a gift to be developed. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's awesome. It's such a good thing. And we ought to all be doing that because we want 
want to yeah. spur one another on yeah. towards the things that God has for us. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, serving is a catalyst for each one of us. And, yeah. and serving in the local church is great because it's, it's family yeah. and it pulls down our walls and yeah. helps us break through, you know, hindrances, helps other, allows other people the opportunity to see us. And it leaves space and room here too, because so many of us also have church hurt because the church is not perfect. And we've right. experienced difficult things in leadership. We've experienced mm-hmm. difficult things from those who have led us. And that's okay too. There's room yeah. and space for all of it because it's an imperfect people trying to do the yeah. perfect will of God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's who we yeah. all are. Yeah. Um, but serving is a big deal. And if you are passionate about an issue and maybe your local church doesn't have that particular issue, don't let it stop you. There are plenty yeah. of NGOs who are doing amazing work yeah. probably in every context you could think of, you know, or if you're passionate about missions, find a way to go on a missions trip, go overseas and and have an incredible experience, but serve, 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 serve. And I will say too, that that's been something that has really blessed me in my marriage and my relationships too, because, you know, Cody always says, my husband is always saying a a servant marrying a servant is the best, the Mm. best potential outcome for a Mm. marriage. And I think that's true for any relationship that we have. You know, if you think about how can I serve my friends rather than what can I get from my friends, it will teach you to be a friend so that you can have friends, you know? So just learning to serve in every context and to die to yourself and yeah, you might have needs, but you can serve from a place of need. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You might be broken just like me (laughs) and that's normal and okay. And you can serve and learn things about yourself and learn things about others and give your life away. Like when I die, I want that to be my legacy. Yeah. You know, not like I held on to a bunch of stuff and I was so awesome because no one's going to care about that. Yeah. But I want to impact people. Yeah. And I think at our core, most human beings, that's, that's true for them. Yeah. And I think that's so true because I think when oftentimes when people are going through stuff or struggling with stuff, um, the tendency is to isolate. Yes. And um, yeah. And and when we serve, it's not like we're going up to somebody and saying, here, here's all my you know stuff. Yeah. But um, in my own path, when I started serving, I just saw so much of God speaking to me and speaking into stuff I was going Mm. through. And it wasn't, you know, me like bearing my soul to anybody. It was just that God will find you. So like true. if you take a step out, God will find you. He will mm-hmm. speak to you. He will, um, uh, and it's through other people. Yes. Um, and so it's not just about our gift. It's like God has answers for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your point about interdependence, very mm-hmm. often, you know, the next piece of the puzzle in your life is something somebody else is holding in their hand that God is using, um, to speak to you. So I think that's really good for anybody who, um, who really was inspired by your part about, if you don't have this in a local church, find an NGO. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about for anyone who doesn't know what is an NGO and how would I find one? Yes. Awesome. So NGO is, um, a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're passionate about the issue of, of human trafficking or mass incarceration, or maybe, um, it's home people who are experiencing homelessness or perhaps it's women or children then you know you can google and find things we have this amazing engine (laughs) called google and more than likely you can um, ask word of mouth like what people's experience are where do they serve how are they giving back and and you'll find someone in your workplace or in your church community who's doing that but I highly recommend you find a way to serve whatever it looks like find a way to do it yeah I love it I love it so um again for our listeners who um who maybe have a similar really bold vision on their heart, something really huge. I think that there are, and we talked a little bit about this just before the podcast. I think there's 
there's three things that can keep people out of pursuing something that God has put on their heart that feels really big. Mm-hmm. Um, one, maybe it seems so overwhelming that they don't even want to start. Yes. Um, or two, maybe it's just a really long road and um, or even something that they don't see the end in their lifetime. Like we are mm-hmm. believing for this, to see this at the end of your lifetime. But there are things um, that will reverberate even beyond, so beyond your life. And then also finally, and I, and I think we're going to probably dig into this one a little bit, is um, what do you do when you are not the person who decides? There are other people in power and you don't control yes. um, what they do um, and what it means to speak truth to power when you feel like you yourself mm. are powerless in a situation. Mm. So can you just maybe offer some advice for people who have a similar size of a dream and might be experiencing some of those, some of those hesitancies? Yes. I mean, being overwhelmed is totally normal, which is why you have to just break it down to your lived personal experience. Mm -hmm. You know, like what is the thing that you have in your hand and how can you do something about it right now? Um, Maybe you're passionate about you know, uh, racism. And so again, like I said, if you've got racist family members, you got to stand up, <laughs> you yeah. know, you start there. You don't yeah. start somewhere else way out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the speak truth to power part. I think that this is always can be a very scary term or a very scary, um, you know, speak truth to power can sound like rebellion and that yeah. freaks a lot of Christians out, I think. Yeah. But speaking truth to power is about being a truth teller and it's about being able to say like, Hey, this is not right. Yeah. And I'm going to stand up. Yeah. Because it's not right and it yeah. needs to change. And that's what speaking truth to power means. It means, hey, you're living in a way that is not right and I'm not going to say yes to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to live like that. Yeah. Um, and speaking truth to power can look like a million different things. You know, maybe you're on your job and right. you're like, hey, Ashley, I can't really walk into my boss's office and be like, this isn't right. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to fire me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so maybe speaking truth to power for you looks like when he asks you to do something that would compromise your moral integrity that you say no. Yeah. I can't fire you for that. Yeah. <laughs> but that you are strong enough to say no. Yeah. And if somebody is is blurring the lines, that you're the one who holds the lines. Right. So I think it's really important to be able to say, like, okay, this is who I am and this is what I know about myself and I'm gonna stay true to that. Um, and that's being a truth teller, rising up in truth. And then that empowers other people who may feel like they don't have a voice to do the same thing, to say, Hey, you know what, that's a line I'm gonna hold. Um, and obviously in the news we've been seeing this um this play out with the Me Too movement and being able to see so many women come forward. Um, And obviously this is way more nuanced again than we have even a little bit of time to get into, you know, because there's one thing, you know, it's, it's all over the map currently from child molesters to somebody getting fired for touching someone's back. Like there's, you know, it's all over the map. And so, and who am I to say what's right and what's, what's, um, you know, what really happened in any one of those situations. Right. At the same time, what's been beautiful about this is like this rise of the truth tellers. Like here they come and they're going to tell the truth and talk about things like sexual assault and say, you know what? Yeah, you do have a lot of power. You do have a lot of money. You do have a lot of means, but this is the truth. This is what really happened and it's not okay. And we're seeing people have to be held accountable for the actions that they've taken. And so I think that that's true across every every, um, sector. Like we have to stand and rise in truth. We have to stand for truth. Um, And if we're in a meeting and somebody's being treated poorly, because yeah. of their race, because yeah. of their gender, because of um, their religious yeah. belief, then who's going to stand up for them? Yeah, it better be us. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's going to cost something. It's going to cost you your reputation at times. It's going to cost you your pride at times. It's going to cost you, um, you know, potentially even an opportunity. But in the long run, mm-hmm. you're going to win. Yeah, 
because this is this is what we're signing up for is that long game. We yeah. don't have a short game in mind. We've got a long game in mind. And yeah. So I think we have to constantly be mindful of that. Yeah. And every time I have stood in truth and it has really cost me something, God has always been faithful to reward me. Mm. He's always been faithful to turn things around. He's always been faithful to say, hey, I know you thought that you lost that opportunity because you stood up in truth, but here comes what I really have for you. Yeah. Um, and it hurt and it was hard. And sometimes I'd have to stand in the middle of like two different seasons of life going, God, are you going to come through? Are you going to come through? praying yeah. and believing, but he always does, Yeah, you know, because he himself is a truth teller. He yeah. himself, Jesus, our savior spoke truth to power. Yeah. He did it to the religious leaders. He yeah. made sure that everyone knew that what they were doing, what they were li- preaching was not actually what they were living. Right. You know? And right. so he stood up in integrity and truth and he's our best example. I think that's great. And I was thinking about the Me Too movement and, and like you, I think there's all kinds of nuances to that, but I think the thing that has really been so, um, awesome that's an overused word but truly awesome in the true sense of the word about that movement it has reminded me that when we step out it's not up to us to completely dismantle systemic sexual uh, you know um harassment in 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 news or in um entertainment or whatever it is Mm -hmm. like we step out but god just does so much from there right like he needs his truth tellers to stand up but it's not up to us to change the whole thing that's right god is still sovereign in every situation but um i always think about the verse um many are called but few are chosen right and um, just that when we do that, um, and I think also just being Holy Spirit led in that, mm. right? That the, that we don't go into those meetings, we don't go into those environments without the Holy Spirit. That's He's right. there and always available to us yeah. to say, you know, Holy Spirit, what would you have me say in this situation? Mm. Sometimes it's so obvious mm-hmm. and sometimes it isn't, but just that we're not alone. We don't stand mm-hmm. alone, that we have got the sovereignness right. of God on our side. Um, so that's awesome. Um I say this every time because it's true every time that went way too fast and we could probably spend (laughs) (laughs) a few more hours in this. Um, I've really loved this because I don't actually get to talk to you about this stuff very Mm. often. And so um, this has just been really powerful. And thank you so so much. Thank you, Dawn. I love the movement that you're leading and I'm so thankful for who you are. We have so much to learn from you. Every time you open your mouth, I'm like, I'm learning. So I'm so grateful (laughs) for you. Same, same. (laughs) So speaking of learning, we like to end every podcast with what we call the final five Hmm. and these are five questions designed to resource our listeners so um number one what other than the bible Mm -hmm. what's one book that changed your life and why oh um i think let justice roll down by dr john perkins Hmm. and it changed my life because he taught me that justice is always reciprocal that um I'm always walking, basically the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Yeah. And so that nobody's better than anybody else. Nobody's less than anybody else. And in all my desire to help, I could do more hurting. Yeah. If I didn't realize that everything is reciprocal, that somebody is just experiencing a difficult time, not they are a difficult time. Mm. So he taught me so much about reciprocity and mutual respect. And he really taught me how to approach situations in in a more loving, generous, Christ-like way. Yeah. That's so good. Um, what's a podcast that you're listening to now and why? Oh, I love Pass the Mic. 
mm. is my absolute fave podcast besides the one that I'm currently on because I do listen to this one and love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Pass the Mic is amazing. It's, a, it's actually um, a black Christian collective. Uh-huh. And so they have different guests and talk about issues of our day, whether it's politics or um, gender, race, everything you could possibly imagine from a Christian perspective. And that has been hugely helpful to me wow. during these times. Oh, good. I'll definitely check that out. Um, what's your favorite Bible verse and why? Oh, I love Isaiah 58 will forever be my favorite verse. And I love it in the message version. It talks about how we can make the community livable again. Mm. And so for me, there's um, beautiful promises attached to justice and righteousness that are listed in that chapter. And then it's also very encouraging that we as a people can rebuild, that we have that power and capacity to fix things that have been in ruins that God will give us that ability. And so I love praying that for my personal life, my relationships, and also for the city and the nation that I live in. It's so good. And what's the best advice you ever received? Um, I think the best advice, and I can't remember if someone gave it to me or if I watched them live it out, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps even learned it on my recovery journey, Yeah. but it's that life is more gray than it is black and white, mm. and that we have to learn how to live in the gray and how to be comfortable in the gray, because yeah. we're always holding so many tensions. We can often experience a lot of fear, but still have to operate in faith. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. We can often be experiencing extreme sorrow and loss and grief, and at the same time, great joy can be happening in our lives. We're always holding things in tandem. And I think even approaching situations and people knowing that things are more nuanced than I wish they were. Yeah. I wish things were more black and white, but they just aren't. Yeah. And it's helped me to relax. It's helped me to rest. It's helped me to calm down. It's helped me to not be such a fixer yeah. and a caretaker, but just to go, hey, th- again, this is a long game. Yeah. So I'm going to live in the gray and I don't have mm. to define this thing. I'm going to yeah. just let it be what it is and be present in the moment. And it forces me back to that place where it's like, what is happening right now in front of me? Yeah. And God, how do you want me to engage? Yeah. 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 That line, I don't have to define this right now, actually made me anxious. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's I definitely, definitely something I need to work on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, finally, what advice would you give to somebody right now who maybe has that big, big dream that mm. God's put on their heart and they're feeling a little bit discouraged? What would you tell mm. them? I would say pray. Um, and I would say share with others. Um, because other people are able to affirm mm-hmm. what God is doing in your life. So share with them, share the big yeah. dream that God has for you so that somebody can encourage you so that somebody can pray for you. Somebody can come alongside you and then research. If you haven't even taken a step yet, research, know everything there is to know about the issue, know everything there is to know about your big, big dream. Um, and then begin to take whatever tangible step you can today. What's one thing that you could do? Yeah. Um, what's one thing you could say? What's one thing that, that would lead you on that path and yeah. do it? Even yeah. if it seems tiny, even if it seems minuscule, even if it seems like it's not going to matter, mm-hmm. everything matters to God. He says, those mm-hmm. who are faithful with little will be ruler over much. Mm-hmm. And so what is the little that you can do today that will lead to the much of tomorrow? Ashley, you're amazing. I love you so Sorry, much. you, Dawn. I love you, too. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure and my honor. <laughs> I'd like to thank my guest, Ashley Abercrombie, for joining me today. You can access the show notes for today's episode, as well as where to find Ashley online at dawnsadler.com slash Ashley. This has been the Your Purpose is Calling podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Sadler. To hear more conversations with Christians who are finding their purpose, redefining work, and changing their world, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also access past episodes, see our Conversations on Calling video series, and subscribe to the blog at DawnSadler.com.
Have thoughts or questions about today's episode? Join the conversation by following me on Instagram at Don Sadler. Thank you for listening.